0: I came across this saying, the church is your mum. Maybe not a perfect mother, but a mother worth celebrating nonetheless. Being a parent, being a mum, isn't easy. And mothers in the Bible are no exception. We have the story of the mother of Moses, the story of Hannah and Samuel, of Naomi, who lost both of her sons, and as for Mary, the mother of Jesus, well, motherhood for her was an absolute roller coaster ride. Began with the Magnificat, the visit of the angel Gabriel. I'm blessed. And then quickly followed by the consequences of Joseph breaking off their engagement, the shame of being pregnant out of wedlock. And then, of course, there were the precious memories the visit of the Magi and the shepherds, of observing the miracles of her son, perhaps that proud mum at the wedding of Cana who says, do whatever he tells you. I've been sick to the stomach with fear when on a journey back from Jerusalem, both she and Joseph discovered they had left their son behind. She stood at the cross of Christ, and witnessed his crucifixion. That's a roller coaster of motherhood. And so, in that reading uh, from Luke, the offering at Jesus' ceremony was technically called the offering of the poor. And so, what we see here is that Jesus was born into an ordinary home, there were no luxuries there. And you had to make every penny count. And a lot of us know that feeling. And Simeon's words were not all sweetness and light. And perhaps give us a glimpse of the journey of that roller coaster ride that Mary would have. He speaks of joy. Important here that he blesses both Mary and Joseph here but there's also the glimpse of suffering and sacrifice. Words which struck both Mary and Joseph forcefully. This is a happy day, isn't it? My son's just eight days old and you're telling me that a sword will pierce my own soul. What is going on here? And we may actually say that Anna appears at a critical point in that reading. The church has a number of different images and on this Mothering Sunday we explore church as mother What are the characteristics we as a church should be noting from this image of mother? Well, I cannot mention them all uh, this morning, but in good Methodist tradition, I have chosen three uh, because I think there is plenty in these alone for us to hold a mirror up to ourselves as a church and reflect upon. So first of all, the church as welcome and hospitality. In my mid-thirties, some years ago now, uh, my mother returned to her home on the Isle of Man. And shortly afterwards, my husband moved to Bristol uh, to do his ministerial training. And so I was living on my own. And I will tell you now, I do not like living on my own. One of the members at my church in the West Midlands said, look, I cook us a roast on a Thursday night. Well, I love a Sunday roast. She said, why don't you come over, I'm cooking for my husband, my daughter and my two sons. And I said, what time, what time do you want me to be there, Margaret? And I was there. And the wonderful thing was that Margaret was one of those uh, rare breeds of uh, a Wolverhampton Wanderer supporter. And so we had very much common ground as we shared beef and Yorkshire pudding together. Welcome, hospitality. Have you noticed the words on the front of your service sheet? We welcome you today, whatever your reason for coming. And I hope that when people come to worship, that they receive that welcome as soon as they enter the building. We have a great welcome team here. They receive another welcome as they arrive at the great hall, receive their hymn sheet, And the wording, you are welcome here, whatever your reason for visiting, makes it very clear three times before the service has even begun, you are welcome. You're welcome here. And even in the announcements, we like to especially welcome visitors to our service. We can, of course, extend that welcome over refreshments after the service. All the hard work's been done. It's all been laid out for you. You just need to go ahead now. Don't leave someone sitting on their own. And this got me thinking, how welcoming were we to Christ? Philippians tells us that Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. In essence, he laid aside his glory for us. Yet there was no room for him at the inn when he was born. He declared the son of man has nowhere to lay his head and was abandoned by his disciples at his greatest point of need. And yet this very same Saviour declares, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. I have come that you might have life, life in all its fullness. And before his betrayal and arrest, he says, my father's house has many rooms, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. What grace, yeah, what grace. The Savior who offers all humankind welcome and hospitality doesn't expect us to keep that invitation to ourselves. John Pritchard comments that with regard to the image of the church as the bride of Christ, we must be very careful that we don't spend all our time staring in the mirror, getting ourselves ready for the big day that we forget about everybody else. So that's welcome and hospitality. The church as a place of reconciliation. I had two younger brothers. We were always fighting and arguing. I'm sure that never happened to you. And when something went wrong, as it very often did, my mother would get fed up with us, and I understand that now, and she would say, we'll just say sorry. And I went, well, I didn't start it. I think it's not my fault. It's not up to me to say sorry. We'll say sorry. And that way, we can move on. Okay? Okay. Sorry. Hmm? (laughs) Sorry. There we go, can we move on now? There we go. It's difficult, reconciliation, and it's difficult to say sorry, particularly when you think you're not wrong as well. In the foreword to Mutharaj Swami's Lent book, which I'm reading at the moment called Reconciliation, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, writes this. Reconciliation is the gospel It is at the very heart of the entire story of God and his people. Yet reconciliation is one of the greatest needs and toughest challenges as human beings. But in a world plagued by conflict, division and indifference, the church has a crucial role to play as a community of reconcilers. Jesus calls every one of us to love God, our neighbours, ourselves and our enemies, a challenging command with nobody left out. So the church is in the business of reconciliation, having been in need of reconciliation itself actually. Jesus also was in the business of reconciliation and still is no one was to be left out of the kingdom the good news this invitation to be reconciled to God and to community for some would take him into hostile territory Jesus didn't wait for those people to come to him he went to them He put right the relationships that had gone wrong. He went to those on the margins, got alongside with them, spoke with them, listened to them, broke down the barriers, built new relationships. What kind of conversation is there than Jesus' conversation with Peter to restore him after his betrayal? Deeply, deeply and reconciliation is necessary on a number of levels between us and God, within community. We're talking about the knife crime at the moment and how much reconciliation is really important in those environments and in our communities. Recon- reconciliation between each other, and dare I say it, reconciliation even within the church. We may say, well, we're all one big happy family. Well, if your family is anything like mine, then sometimes means saying sorry. We sometimes need to tread into that uncomfortable place where we make ourselves vulnerable. To say sorry, not always knowing that our sorry will be accepted. But this I do know is if that sorry isn't offered, then reconciliation is difficult, perhaps impossible to achieve. We need to get into that vulnerable place. And what is the church's message of reconciliation? It's the same message. Even if the love available in this world has let you down, You can find God in a deep assurance that no matter what happens, even in the darkest moments of doubt and despair, you are loved by God. Nothing changes that. And finally, the church as a place of refuge and shelter. Psalm 71 has been called a psalm for old age. And all we know about the writer of this psalm is that he's old or ageing and has seen exceptional trouble which shows no signs of abating. And against his failing strength he looks back and he sets a long memory of God's faithfulness and a growing hope in his life-renewing power. The psalmist looks to God to see through to a conclusion the work that he began so long ago. He finds refuge in God. But how can we offer a place of shelter and refuge? Well, I'll share with you a few examples, but there are many, many more besides these that the church is doing throughout the world. <clears throat> Two years ago, following the fatal attack on Keith Palmer, the constable outside of Parliament, we opened the chapel here and prepared it as a space for people to simply be. It is un- impossible to understand the senseless attacks on innocent people, but there was a quiet place to reflect, to pray. Not to promise any answers, to take our anger or our frustration to God, and simply to be. And in the busyness of this city, and in close proximity of that incident, we immediately offered a space, a refuge, a shelter, because sometimes what we need to do is simply stop. Have a space to think and even for those who are not in the habit of praying, to remember the loved ones of the victim to that greater being. Another example of refuge and shelter is of the churches who host the homeless, I know we're also venturing into hospitality again, but refuge and shelter are paramount to those who live on the streets because living on the streets is dangerous. We provide shelter from the violence, the abuse, as well as shelter from the weather. And in that space, we practice hospitality, welcome and community. It's not rocket science at all. Ministry is a lot simpler, I think, than we We tend to complicate it sometimes. It's actually very simple. And such vital ministry may not make the headlines, I know that, but it does change people's lives. And frankly, that's all I'm really bothered about. And we live in a world where community hardly exists, where we are suspicious And if people want answers, they're more likely to tap into Google than pop into church to explore the answers to the big questions of life. How can the church be a mother in this climate? Well, we worship a God of community, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, who is very much involved in the world. And as a worshipping community, we need to practice the unconditional love of God seen in the crucified Christ where people are loved, accepted and forgiven. An inclusive community that regardless of race, of gender, class or color, all are welcomed. An attitude of welcome and fellowship in a church Arising from the love of God shown to humanity through Jesus Christ is an extremely attractive picture. The church is God's gift. We're precious, but we mustn't act precious. We're not perfect, but we are very definitely relevant and have a precious gospel to share in word and deed. And so I finish with a great piece from John Pritchard and his book, Going to Church, which I'm also reading at the moment, Going to Church, A User's Guide. And this is included in a chapter called The Church As It Might Become. And he writes about a church that takes our humanity seriously And this is what he says. Human beings are made of dust, but we're dust that dreams. Add a bit of water to the dust and we become mud. And most of us come to church muddier than we let on. And a church needs to assure us of the infinite value of those who, the psalmist says, are made a little lower than the angels while at the same time recognising the mud and mess that accumulates around our best attempts to live well. Such a church is welcoming, expansive, encouraging and extraordinary in its normality. And so Sunday by Sunday, the walking wounded come in, bearing the scars of the week. And they find no entry requirements, no exams in righteousness or self-righteousness. And instead, people grow there. They love it. It's home. Let's pray. Lord, we are church, but we're not perfect. The community of the forgiven who sometimes struggle to forgive others. The body of Christ, but sometimes find it difficult to accept others. Teach us the qualities of Jesus again, that we may offer hospitality, welcome, shelter, and the unconditional love that you offer to all. We rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And in each situation, may Christ incarnate, who is closer than we can ever appreciate or imagine, be met in the ordinary and extraordinary events of life. Amen.